Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Cipriano. We are continuing our Tartan Talk series with Bill Bergen of Bergen Golf Designs, and Bill will be discussing an initiative involving the American Society of Golf Course Architects and U.S. Kids Golf that was announced at the Golf Industry Show in Orlando a few weeks ago. But before we get started with Bill, we're happy to announce that our friends at Better Billy Bunker are now involved with the Tartan Talks podcast. Obviously, if you've been to any industry show or event, you've probably seen the Better Billy Bunker team there. They're not only huge supporters of the American Society of Golf Course Architects, they're supporters of all the industry associations and efforts, and they're big friends of the superintendent. So we're obviously grateful to have them involved, and we're also excited to see where the this series is headed. We started it last summer with Andy Staples while touring Meadowbrook Country Club, and we're really pumped about 2017 and some of the guests and episodes we have planned. Bill, thanks for joining us. Before we discuss the initiative announced between the American Society of Golf Course Architects and U.S. Kids Golf a few weeks ago at the Golf Industry Show, just tell our listeners a little about yourself and where you are right now. Well, thanks, Guy. Um, yeah, I'm a member of the ASGCA, Golf Course Architects. I've been doing this now since 1990, so that's getting up to 27 years. Uh, I trained under Bob Cup whom we unfortunately lost last year, but it was a, an excellent place for me to learn the business. And, and my background's a little bit different than some. I played professionally, played on tour. I played in 50 PGA Tour events and five major championships. And yet I'm a true architect. So I'm not a, a, a player who's an architect because uh, people don't know me as a player, but they certainly will as, as an architect. And then I also taught golf for three years at a 2,000-member club in Atlanta and I really got to see what the everyday member, the everyday golfer, the recreational player deals with on a golf course. So that was a great experience because it's one thing to understand how, you know, the best players in the world play, but it's a whole other thing to see how everybody else who actually pay the golf bills play. And I've taken, you know, both of those experiences to the way I design golf courses. Speaking of the recreational golfer, tell our listeners a little about the Longleaf initiative that was launched at GIS and where your interest and passion in this effort stems from. Absolutely. So the Longleaf Tea Initiative is a joint venture between the ASGCA and U.S. Kids Golf Foundation, and I am working with U.S. Kids Golf Foundation on a golf course they bought up in Piners, North Carolina. And the origins of this initiative really start there because U.S. Kids Golf Foundation runs 900 to 1,000 tournaments a year all with kids ranging from age about 6 to, I believe, 13 or so, 12 or 13. And they um, basically have a philosophy, Dan Van Horn, the owner, has a philosophy that if you achieve excellence, no matter what age you are, you should be able to shoot par. Well, think about that for a 6-year-old or an 8-year-old or a 10-year-old. You have to have a golf course scaled so those best players can shoot par. If, obviously, if the golf course is too long, that's not going to happen. So that was sort of the impetus of this whole T idea. And as we discussed it and, and really analyzed it, you know, as a former teaching pro and a player, I looked at it and I said, wow, Dan, this is important for, what, for the kids, but it's more important for the general public. It's more important for women. It's more important for seniors. Having them play golf on a golf course that fits their ability rather than having them try to conform to the golf course. So it's almost the first time something like this has been where we're actually taking the golf course and adapting it to the player 
versus the player having to adapt to the golf course. So it's, it's a pretty exciting initiative. And when we brought this to the ASGCA Foundation, they quickly realized what a, what a, a great initiative this would be and, and have been behind it 100%. For our listeners that maybe aren't familiar or don't know much about it, ex- explain what the ASGCA Foundation does and where Longleaf fits into that mission. Our charity wing that allows us to do things for the good of the game. And, and we feel like the Longleaf Tea Initiative is really, is really such a thing. If we can get more players playing golf and enjoying golf because they're playing a golf course that fits them, th- then it's better for the game. So that's, that's really where that comes from. And what's interesting, this Tea Initiative is based simply on how far a player carries a driver. So it's completely objective. Stand up on, on the practice tee, and we have a grid set up from 100 to 275 yards with posts every 25 yards, and you see how far you carry a driver. And that color code tells you the recommended tee that that we believe you should play. And the golf course literally starts at 3,200 yards. Now, I know that's probably hard to believe for some people that 18 holes could be played at 3,200 yards, but if you only carry the golf ball 100 yards, that is the appropriate yardage for you to play. So, and if you carry the ball 275 yards, well, then you're supposed to play a golf course well over 7,000 yards. So it's, it's very objective, simply based on how far players carry the golf ball. What is it like designing a golf course with seven tees on some holes? Is that mind-numbing, or is it something that comes pretty natural to someone like yourself? Well, in this day and age where we're not building that many new golf courses, most of the projects that we'll, we'll be doing are renovations. And Longleaf is our is our really our test golf course. It's our living laboratory for taking Dan Van Horn and U.S. Kids Golf ideas and putting them on the ground. And so at Longleaf, we had a, a typical golf course. It ran, you know, from the back tees, it was about 6,600 yards, and from the forward tees, it was around the 5,000 yard mark. And so what we had to do there was adapt this system. Well, Dan came up with the the numbers, and he did it based on some information that he had gathered from Bridgestone Golf on how far people hit it with certain club head speeds, and 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 he, and he applied that to to the kids and and found out you know what team area or what yardage would be appropriate depending on how far you hit the ball. Well, at Longleaf, we were we were able to take a basic four tee system, and you'll see a lot of golf courses throughout America that have a 4T system. That's probably the most popular thing that we see these days. And so we already had 4Ts on the ground that we were able to work with. And what we had to do was adapt um, basically where we were lacking yardage. And a lot of that was forward tees. Some of t- sometimes it's back tees. So we were doing a little bit of, of, of each. But we went from basically a system that had 72 markers to one that has 126 markers. So that's a whole different different world when you're talking about you know number of tees and how how they're spread out well the basic spread is about 600 yards for 18 holes so we start at 3200 we go to 3800 then 4400 then 5000 so think about that that's four tees that are at a typical forward yardage or even closer or or a ladies yardage or even closer but the beauty of this system is it's gender neutral we have each tee, no matter whether it's a 3,200-yard tee or a 7,000-yard tee, rated for both men and women. 
So we like the gender neutrality. It's objective based on how far you carry a driver. Now, in implementing that at, at Longleaf, we added about 40 tees. And we did so. Some of those were built because we're renovating the golf course and they were in, either in poor condition, they were located in shady spots, or there were reasons that we, we ended up moving tees. But we built about 40, and we have 29 tees that I would call fairway tees, uh, where they're up in the forward area, but they are in the fairway. But even on those tees, we went ahead and leveled spots. We, we spread them out properly, which is about 30 yards per tee box. In other words, you know, as you move from the back tee, you just keep moving up about 30 yards. And that's your average uh, distance difference when you, when you look at the, um, how the tees are laid out on the ground. A lot of our listeners are golf course superintendents, as, as you know, Bill. I think the first thing a superintendent would think when hearing this is that, wow, seven tees, that's a lot of maintenance. That's a lot of uh, cleaning up divots and broken tees and mowing. But there, there's certainly a return on the investment on this, right? And it's something where somebody has to look long term. No doubt. And it was funny because I asked this question with our superintendent. And obviously, this is a, this is a new initiative. This is something new. So Longleaf really is the test, test course for this, although I have... Uh, implemented this system on three of the master plans that I'm working on now. So I hope to to be taking it to more golf courses. But our superintendent at Longleaf, I, I asked him that question. I said, how much more maintenance does it take for you to, de- to deal with this? And literally, it's, it's, it's a few minutes. It's not a ton. Um, they do have to move the markers. That is That takes up some time. So they're moving seven sets out of the way when they mow rather than four sets does take a little bit of time. The tees uh, on the ground question is an interesting one, and that's probably based more on rounds played than it is on number of tees because playing 30,000 rounds, you're going to have so many tee shots. If you're playing 35,000 rounds, you're going to have so many tee shots. Are the tees uh, out in the fairway causing problem? Well, I actually haven't noticed them at all, um, but it's a good question, and obviously it would be something with the superintendent we worried about their uh, mowers being dulled by um, by running over more uh, broken tees and things like that. But we have not had an issue, and we feel like it's been a, a great advantage to us. Uh, people are playing Longleaf because of the tee system. It's been you know, something where we're feeling like we're getting growth in our rounds played because of the tee system, uh, and that far outweighs the inconvenience um, and, and a little bit extra maintenance that we have to deal with. Yeah, Pinehurst is... A competitive golf market. There are a lot of courses. What has the response been like, and how has it maybe helped the bottom line? It well, Longleaf is, is growing, and it's funny because it, it's hard to um, quantify that right now. And the reason I say that is, this is a, a golf course that um, U.S. Kids Golf bought, bought out of financial um, problems. And the first thing we did was we created the Longleaf Golf Academy. We rebuilt all. We rebuilt the driving range completely. We rebuilt two practice greens plus the putting green. Uh, creating a, a great practice area for our, for again, for the, for the Longleaf, um, or for the U.S. Kids Golf Academy. The second thing we did was we built a, a six-hole pitch and putt, uh, a grow-the-game facility with six par threes from 50 to 100 yards. It, it occupies three acres of space that we um, had available, and it is truly uh, an area that uh, brings families and kids and, and really people of all ages into play this uh, six-hole pitch and putt, and you can do so in half an hour. So that's another addition to what we've done at uh, Longleaf. And then the third thing that we did was implement the T system. So that's relatively new, and right now we're renovating all the greens. 
so as you're following this conversation, we are in the midst of renovating the golf course, so we don't know the long-term results yet. I will tell you this, that our, our play keeps increasing. Um, people are excited about the tee system. Uh, when we have brand-new greens opening this summer, that's going to take the golf course to a whole new level. And, again, we'll have a better indication of the, the actual quantity of rounds and the results as far as membership goes. I think it's safe to say a lot of facilities are starting to understand the need to make their course more junior-friendly or friendlier to players of all abilities. What are some initial steps a facility could take that might want to do something similar to what Longleaf is doing right now? Yeah, I think the starting point, quite honestly, is that tee box in the 44 to 4,500-yard range. That's one that seems to be missing. A lot of golf courses, again, get up into the their forward tees are at the 5,000. Some progressive ones are even in the 4,800-yard range. But if you can get that 4,400-yard tee on your golf course, and that is usually not in the fairway. That's usually still a, an, a, a dedicated tee. If you can get that, you're well on your way to, to getting these forward tees. And what's interesting is I haven't talked about today is the impact on women. Women are our fastest starting and stopping segment of the golf population. They pick up the game and they quit. Well, why do they quit? Well, I think there's a, a variety of reasons. But one is, more than any other golfer, they hit golf shots that I'm going to call irrelevant. Stamp on a tee, the tee shot matters for everybody because you're hopeful of being successful on the tee, on that hole from the tee. The approach shot to the green matters because that's your scoring shot. Unfortunately, too often, women play golf courses that are way too long for them, and they end up hitting one or two shots per hole that are irrelevant. They're just getting from point A to point B so then they can hit their approach. And what we've done with Longleaf is we've eliminated a lot of irrelevant golf shots. That makes each shot more interesting. It means you actually take less shots, you play faster, you're less tired, and again, you're more mentally stimulated because you're not just plodding your way down a long fairway. You're hitting golf shots that matter. So that's something I think is really going to be a big factor in the same exact scenario applies to senior men. Bill, was there a moment in your mind or the industry's mind when they realized that maybe some of the courses we have are too long? Well, what's interesting is, as I mentioned earlier, I had a teaching background. I spent three years teaching golf at Cherokee Town and Country Club in Atlanta, and I taught a lot of women. And I taught, um, while in my three years there, I thought I taught two of the club champions. And these were both highly skilled women, but they were not college-level golfers. So they were, they were kind of normal women who, who were the best players in the club. And both were club champions, and both of them could break 80 on a good day, okay? But the reason they couldn't shoot par is they couldn't hit every green in regulation, not because of their ability, simply out of length. So I knew, I knew long ago, this was in, 19, in the late 80s, I knew then that the golf course was not scaled for, properly for women because that would never happen with the men's club champion. Men's club champion is capable of hitting every green on the golf course probably at every club throughout the country, but it's not the case for women. And so I knew, I knew at that point that, that we were playing a golf course that was too long. Well, that was the best women golfer. Those were the best women golfers at Cherokee. Think about the ones that, that aren't nearly as skilled and can't hit the ball nearly as far. And these women could fly the ball 180 yards or so, and they were still playing a golf course that was too long. And so when you get down to, to people who are hitting at 100 or 125 yards, they were playing golf courses that were literally 1,500 
you know, almost 2,000 yards too long for their ability. And so I, I've been aware of it for a long time. The play it forward concept, I believe, is definitely taking hold. The difference between this and play it forward, quite honestly, is we select the tee, the proper tee, based on how far you carry the driver. It, again, it's so objective. You stand up on our driving range, you hit a driver out, out down the range, you see where it lands, not where it rolls, but you see where it lands, and that tells you what tee to play. So it's, it's so simple, it's logical, and, and it, it makes sense to the golfers. And we've had such success with women that they, that they, they are playing the forward tees. And they're coming in, they're t- and these aren't necessarily members, because Piners has a lot of you know, guests that come into the area as well. And they will come in and they'll take our scorecard and say, you know what, I'm taking this home to my club. I want to play my golf course from this yardage. And so we know, we know we're on to something. We've also had stories where a woman came into the pro shop and said, I putted for an eagle today. And that's something that she never even dreamed of, but she's playing a golf course that was scaled properly for the, her, her distance. It sounds like in some ways it's, it's kind of like shoe fitting. You have all these options in front of you, and it requires a little bit of communication by the golf course, the pro, the, the GM, or the, the superintendent. Besides the, the signs on the range, what other messaging do you have at, at, at Longleaf, and what other type of messaging does it need to happen at the facility level to get the person the proper fit? Well, our scorecard is, is pretty interesting, and, and, and it's, it's got a tremendous amount of information, yet is, is um, very understandable and, and easy, to, easy to read and easy to implement. But we, ha- we have... Obviously, we have seven T locations. We also have six hybrid courses in between. So you can literally play a golf course any length that you would like, and, it, and it's very easy to follow. But, again, what stands apart is each of these tees are rated for men and women. And I think we feel like that's really going to help the senior men because their reluctance to go to the forward tees, the very forward tees, is, is well known. But in this case, we have so many options, again, based I would say scientifically on how far you hit the driver, and, and that allows you to choose choose where to go. And then as far as implementing, you asked me earlier about implementing it at Longleaf. You know, one thing about um, the reason we at the ASGCA feel it's so important to have an architect involved is Dan Van Horn with U.S. Kids Golf had all the yardages that he wanted. Uh, he knew he knew the distribution he wanted, and he, and he literally asked me to go flag it out on the golf course uh, before we started construction. Well, as I went to flag it out, I, I, located, um, I located proposed tees in either drainage ways or steep topography or where right in the middle of an irrigation head or where we didn't have irrigation. And I, I quickly said to Dan, Dan, let me adjust this. Let me take the concept. I will get you your 3,200 yards and your 3,800 yards and your 4,400 yards. But let me locate where, one, you're going to spend the least amount of money to implement this T system. It will blend with the land as best we can, we can do it. And you won't necessarily always have to build a T in order to get the yardage you're after. And that's where, you know, you take the model, but you modify it or fit it to each property individually. If you're on a flat course in Florida, this is a pretty easy layout. If you're on a much more, more hilly or a heavily t- topography land, then you've got to really do some some adjustments and make you know, make good choices. And in dog legs make a difference. Bunker positions make a difference. The location of the cart path determines you know where you're going to put the tee. 
and all of that. And that's where the, why the ASGCA feels like it's a, it's a perfect mix of an initiative, but one that we can help clubs implement uh, for their memberships for, for everything to go smoothly. And uh, Reese Jones is doing it right now at, right now at Medina. What role can a superintendent have in the implementation of a system like the one at Longleaf, and what can the superintendent do once the architect's done with his or her, her own work to, to make sure that it all fits and ties together? Well, certainly irrigation's a big deal, and, and obviously the architect's going to be working with the superintendent to make sure that we've got good irrigation coverage in any T location. And then secondly, um, part of it is mowing patterns, literally uh, the places that we are locating forward tees, uh, the superintendent is certainly heavily involved in, in those positioning positions and how they mow the golf course around it. We do want each tee to feel like it is important, not just a plate in the fairway, but literally no matter whether you're playing the, the most forward tees, which ironically we call blue, or the farthest back tees, which again ironically we, we selected red um, for, which is just you know, spinning things in, in a completely opposite direction or 180 degrees from what most courses do. Certainly the superintendent will be involved in that. And as I move forward as an architect, if we get the opportunity to do this on a brand-new golf course, we'll probably end up doing more free-form tees where the mowers really don't have to lift and separate where, where it just flows from one teeing location to the next, and, and yet each time um, results in a very level spot where people feel like they're, you know, they've got a great spot to tee off of, but it blends naturally with the land. Bill, you've had some incredible experiences throughout the course of your career, whether it's as a player, teacher, or architect. How fulfilling has this project and this effort been for you personally? Well, you know, it's, it's very exciting because, again, as, as, you, as we mentioned when I taught, I felt like golf courses just weren't set up very well for women or for seniors. And one of the things as an architect I believe is that most people end up really playing the game on the ground. And, you know, I got to play in two British Opens, and you learn that more than anywhere else playing, playing Lynx golf, that what happens on the ground is, is incredibly significant. Well, for the average golfer, it's significant on every shot. And so um, that's something that I feel like with setting the golf courses up properly, giving players the ability to navigate their way around hazards and getting them in a proper tee position is very rewarding. I feel like, as, as mentioned earlier, with women being our, our fastest starting and stopping group in the golf world, I feel like that market is, is phenomenal. And then one thing that we didn't mention, Longleaf is actually called Longleaf Golf and Family Club. It's about families. And I feel like if we get, you know, if we get the whole family playing golf and enjoying the game, well, what could be better than that for the good of, of, of golf? In your mind, Bill, what's the next step for this movement? Is, is it getting publicity for what's going on at Longleaf? Is it getting other clubs to try it? Where do you in this effort head from here, you think? Well, we had a great um, um, you know, initiative last week, uh, you know, introduction, the introduction went very well. It's been uh, written about in lots of magazines. You guys picked it up. And, and it, so it's certainly, uh, if you're in the golf world, it's certainly been out there and, and noticed. Now it's time to get it at more and more golf courses because I think there will be a, a tremendous snowball effect when people all of a sudden start playing. It is going to be one of those where golf is – we, we are in an industry, we're in a conservative industry. People do not make changes in golf very quickly. And so we're not particularly worried about that, but it's going to happen as we have users experience golf 
a different way. And so I'm really excited about what's going to happen. And I think it, it really is going to be a snowball effect as we knock off more and more golf courses who, who decide to take a chance and do this and implement this. I think you're going to see a groundswell where more courses want it. And it's, it's really not particularly expensive in what versus the benefit that it has to all players. So it seems like every morning I, I wake up and I see you posting a par three or a hole of a day on, on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. How can social media help an architect like it's like yourself? And how can it help a movement like this? You know, it's interesting about social media. I enjoy it. Um, and I, I do post progress of, of my work. Um, we do that for, for several reasons. Um, people enjoy seeing, seeing the projects. Uh, a lot of people have never seen a golf course get built. And so when you see it go from dirt to, to being shaped to uh, greens wells being, being hollowed out to um, prepping for grass and, and sand going in and all the different bunker liners, I think that's a nice education that people have. In the wintertime, I, I typically do a, a weekly post where it has to do with some topic, and, and this winter it was par threes. And so we posted, we'll post 18 par threes. So we're almost finished because it's almost time for people to get out there and play golf. But what's interesting about social media as far as a business application for myself, it has actually contributed to a couple of projects that we have, we have done. And, and the reason is not because of social media, but it's, it's awareness. And so um, people see my, my work, they see my post, and when the time is right and they're ready to do some work, you know, I've been on, you know, I've been on their mind. Um, my work has been on their mind, and I'm likely to get a phone call. Well, same thing here. We will continue to to um, push this initiative. Um, I'm working at Pinehurst, you know, this spring and summer. Uh, we will definitely be posting, um, you know, maybe every, even every other or every third week. We'll post something about the forward tees, and we'll keep it we'll keep it in uh, out there so that people are aware of it. Uh, so that's you know, I, I think it's a, a good thing. You know, there's no doubt in in that. All businesses are starting to have a larger presence in the social media, media world. And um, I, it's also one that I think is fun to, to be involved with. Who doesn't like looking at beautiful golf holes? Last thing, Bill, before we let you go, what are some other things that you're focused on and what are some other projects or industry initiatives and efforts that really excite you as we move into the spring of 2017? Sure, great question. Well, we're pretty excited because we have five – um, historical renovations that we're working on uh, with my company. And uh, when I say that, these courses are from 1922 or older. And so studying the history of these classic designers from that period is, is very exciting. Uh, and, and then being able to implement or honor their work as we go back into either remodeling or restoring the golf courses is, is quite exciting. So we're working on a Seth Rainer in Minnesota. Uh, we're working on a Ross here in Georgia. And we just um, just got started on a William Langford in Memphis, Tennessee. And so it's, it's um, sort of a labor of love. I do like studying the history and, and, and seeing as many photographs of the, of the course and then, and then taking the golf course um, in, in today's world, making it look like it fits in that classic period of golf course design but works mechanically for uh, the golf course superintendent and and for modern times so how do you think donald ross or seth rayner would react if they heard that golf courses in 2017 have seven t's <laughs> i think 
that way, well, you know, they would adapt. Though um, they were, look at Donald Ross at Pinehurst. He was tinkering and, and tweaking that golf course all the time, and so I'm sure he would uh, he would adapt nicely. But um, we're doing a lot of study of Rainer right now, and, and his bunker positioning um, was not very user friendly for the the um, less skilled player, uh, which is an interesting concept because I pride myself on, on my golf courses are actually more challenging for the better player and a little bit easier for the average player, and, and that's seen in our course ratings. Our course ratings get harder on the courses that we work on, and the slope ratings get a little bit easier, so uh, slope ratings based on the average player. So uh, Rainer's kind of the opposite of that, and yet we're, we're, um, having, we're, we're honoring um, his philosophy on our work up at Minnesota Valley in, in Bloomington, Minnesota. But it is, an, it is interesting to wonder what they would do. I think that Ross would adapt quickly, and so I'm not sure about Rainer. Well, Bill, we appreciate the time, and uh, thanks for everything you do for us here at GCI and, and for the industry as a whole, and good luck with this initiative and everything else you're doing moving forward. Guy, my pleasure. Thanks for the call. You've been listening to the Superintendent Radio Network, the podcast of Golf Course Industry Magazine, a production of GIE Media. I've been your host, Guy Cipriano. You can find all of our podcasts on iTunes or the SRN page of golfcourseindustry.com. Talk to us at srn at gie.net or at GCI Magazine on Twitter. Thanks for listening.